Welcome in, welcome in. This is the AT&T Pebble Beach live chat presented by my friends over at Jock Market, which is always fun. We'll talk about them in a little bit, but welcome. The water's fine. Come on in. Uh, so far, so good on on internet. We had uh, an issue last week. I actually see there were some comments in the chat already. My wife uh, helped out with the the questions uh, last week because I couldn't see and I was streaming from my phone. So we actually had uh, more scheduled uh, internet downtime today. I think we're past it. So I think we're good. Knock on wood. If uh, if I cut out at any point, give me like five minutes. I'll fire up the phone and we'll get we'll get cranking. Um, but yeah, much appreciated on the support. There was a question from Greg. What did I buy my wife uh, for her help last week? She controls all the money so she can buy anything she wants. We did go to uh, a dinner for the first time uh, in a while and while we've been in Vegas uh, the other night. So that was nice. Um, but anyway, get your questions in. We'll go through for the next hour, all things, every, whatever you want. You want to talk about weather, you want to talk about ownership, uh, head-to-head matchups, outrights. Um, I've got a little spreadsheet I want to show you guys. So it, it should be it should be a good time. And let's jump uh, directly into this with uh, a question that I always get and always appreciate from TJ. Uh, who have I grown on as the week has gone on and who am I off? So I'm kind of off. Um, I hate to say this. I hate to say this. This might be a bit spicy because I already have a lot of exposure to him. I already have a lot of out. I've got a lot of action on him. Uh, it's Sam Burns. I've gotten more and more concerned about, uh, especially because, especially from when I got him at 50 earlier in the week. And then when DJ dropped out on Monday evening, and then uh, as that number got shorter to 33 in some places, um, that got me concerned. And then I talked to Mark Immelman on the first cup pod yesterday and he he talked about what a high spin player Sam Burns is, how high he hits it, how hard he hits it, and that's kind of detrimental at Pebble Beach because every all these greens pitch back to front, and you just kind of roll it off the front of the green, and they're so small anyway. So I'm I trust Mark's opinion a lot, especially from the stuff that we can see that you know we don't see in the spreadsheet. It's what from what he sees on the course. So that is that is honestly giving me a bit of just a small seed of doubt that I'm worried about, um, and who I've grown on. Um, Probably Molinari. You know, I I just don't know what the knock against Francesco Molinari is at this point. Coming off a of back-to-back top 10, do you think Pebble would be a really good spot for him? So I've probably grown more on Molinari, and I'm a bit uh, getting worried about Sam Burns as we go along here. Gunner wants to know, do you put any merit on fatigue? For example, if a guy's playing four or five weeks in a row, not at this point in the year. I think that... Um, more so at the end of the season, especially when you get to the playoffs, when they have to play, there's nothing stopping guys from playing, right? I mean, this field is, is very weak historically. So if they're not ready to play, they're not going to play, right? There's these guys aren't, aren't teeing it up four to five times in a row. So, um, I'm not putting any merit on that this week. I I would, I would look at it in, in future weeks. Um, there is a, uh, super chat here that I'll get to. So much appreciated on that. So super chat from Chris. Thank you very much. Best sports book in, in Virginia. Um, so I don't, I'm assuming, so I like William Hill. I'm, I'm very loyal to William Hill. Uh, they don't have always the best lines, but what they do, they're very slow. So, right. Like when, when DJ WD on Monday, his number stood up there for 20 minutes, the, the John Rom number from a couple of weeks ago stood up there for like 
30 minutes after he withdrew. So I was able to get um, a bit more value in some of these guys just because William Hill is really slow. I will show you this though. Give me one second because um, I just did update this page, which is uh, rickrungood.com slash bets. So if you want to take advantage of free bets, if you have not uh, if you don't have an account at William Hill, BetMGM, or Bet Rivers yet, you can sign up, get your free bets through here. I do get paid on it, and you guys do too, so I guess it's a win-win. Uh, but I've added a bunch more states. I've heard the BetMGM app is really good, so uh, don't quote me on that. I don't live in a state where we have where we have or where I have it, so I'm not sure. But um, I've heard I've heard good things about it. Good luck, Chris. Thanks again for the super chat. Um, is it another team no putt week? So I think it's always a team no putt week. I will make the caveat that. Um, you know, sometimes short game gets thrown into, uh, or, well, I'm trying to think how I want to say this. Sometimes putting gets thrown into short game, which I guess it should, but there is a clear delineation this week between guys who are good around the greens and guys that can and cannot putt. You have to be good around the greens, very small greens, 3,500 square feet on average, the smallest on the PGA tour. You're going to miss a lot of greens. You got to be able to get up and down. So if you're going to be a bad putter, you better be good around the greens. Obviously Hideki Matsuyama is not in this field, but he's that type of guy, right? Actually Molinari too. Molinari historically better around the greens. And then uh, in terms of, of putting, uh, that's where he kind of falls off. And I'm okay with that. Hey, Rick, I haven't even thought about putting Spieth in any of my lineups in ages. Yeah, welcome to the club. Um, but I will probably do that for Pebble Beach. Any chance he does well? So, yes, I think so. I'm I'm very cautiously optimistic on Jordan Spieth this week. And, uh, you know, the reasons the reasons are pretty clear for me. I'm, I'm a big ball striker guy. So when I, when I pull up his Holy grail here and I show you that he has, that he gained 7.8 strokes on approach last week, by far the best in the field. Um, that's a good sign also around the green, which he is still, that's kind of the one thing that never left him. Even when everything else left that around the green game stayed, even when the putter went away at times, the around the green game stayed. And that's what you're seeing right now in the Holy grail. So, um, I, I would say, yes, I am optimistic because this is not Torrey Pines where you can just, you know, you're dead if you spray it all over. It's a place he's had success. It's a place that his around the green, around the green skill set comes in handy. So, so yes, I think if what we saw last week happened and then we went to Torrey, I would not feel the same way, but because we're going to Pebble, I feel a lot differently. John, welcome. He says, Cam Davis or Matthew Neesmith, unfortunately, my only options. I'm very bullish on cam davis long term i love the talent but probably neesmith for me this week i'm gonna see if he can back up his top 10 with another one this week i i, I like the way he plays um not all the time but i like it lucas says thanks for all your help yeah no worries one and done any reason not to use day this week would you use can't lay in a weak field to try to get the best expected value so that is a really good point i made a video about this probably years ago it probably needs to be updated at some point where you might be better off playing the lone stud in a weaker field with $1.3 million up top than you would be playing a stud at the Players' Championship where all the top 50 players in the world are there. The expected value that Lucas is talking about um, is probably better in this field. So I'm I'm completely fine with running out Patrick Cantlay in this spot. Uh, I can't, I've already used him, actually. Uh, I used him at Sony. Is that right? Did he play Sony or tournament of champions? Maybe I don't know. I use them already and I've already used burger. Uh, the concern I have with day and to kind of go back to one of TJ's questions earlier, I'm kind of getting 
I'm kind of getting cold on day as the week goes on. You know, obviously the great course history. He had a he had a quote. I don't know if it was uh from recently or if it was a quote from uh like years ago, but he loves the pro am. He loves taking six and a half hour rounds to play a round of golf. Uh that's crazy to me, but he said I can read my putts for longer. Uh these awkward lies around the green, I can read those for longer. So he actually likes it. I wonder if a lot of his success is based on that which is kind of weird to think about. So I'm getting a bit cold on that. And the fact that it's going to be, you know, what highs of 55 all week, kind of windy and chilly. You could throw in the, you know, 2% chance he withdraws because of a back injury. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a high risk, high reward one and done play. Tell your wife. I said, hi, uh, she's got fans out there now. Uh, we need more ladies crushing DFS. Yeah. Well, she, her, we might be better off with her answers than, than my answers. Honestly, Alex Han, uh, favorite play between 7,200 and 7,400. Let's pull up the cheat sheet here. Show you that for the first time. So between 72 and 74, let's see. I would probably say, man, this is a tough range. Maybe Hubbard. Um, you know, we was what co-leader after 18 holes last week. Um, he is a better short game player. At least he can, he can get the putter going at times. He's got two essentially top 35s in his last three starts. That's probably where I would go. I don't love a lot of these other guys, to be honest with you. Um, Adam long would be like a high risk, high reward guy for me, but this is, this is a pretty tough, maybe Putnam, maybe those three. I'd probably narrow it down to those three Putnam. Who's got a seventh place finish last week, 21st, the week before, Short game specialist. Hopefully he doesn't burn you as much off the tee is probably where I would go there. Stewart sink this week or is regression setting in? Yeah, I mean, th- there's an argument to be made that the win was an outlier, right? And there's not much real regression, right? I mean, it's not like he was trending up and then won. It was kind of like an out, uh, kind of an outlier situation. Uh, 17 years of fantasy golf. That's the worst field I've ever witnessed. It's not great. It's not great. But I actually, I would argue... These are the weeks that um, guys like us, you know, who know player 80 to 200 on the PGA Tour do better, right? There's so many unknowns and so many names that people don't know. I actually think these are good weeks for us. Snedeker or Gim, I'm pretty much out on Sneds. Um, so it's got to be Gim for me. Uh, you know, Snedeker, and we can pull up his, his holy grail here so we can illustrate this a little bit. It's just not the player he was. I don't, I don't really have anything much more to say about that. I mean, here's, here's his, here's his logs. Uh, the ball striking numbers have been horrific for a year. Um, the short game is fine and he can get hot with a putter, but he can also get really cold with the putter, right? There's few guys who can gain five strokes in the course of, uh, of a tournament and then lose five, uh, in, you know, eight weeks before that. It's just, it's just really, really volatile. And the rest of his game isn't there. So Sneds is probably out for me. Absolute dart throw in the 6k range that I'm actually comfortable using in the 6k or in a, excuse me, in a single entry. Well, I know, I know off the top of my head, the first name that popped into my head was Andrew Landry. Uh, he would at least provide some level of comfort at 6,900. If I needed to go further than that, you could make a case that Brian Gay at 66, um, you know, a few starts off of a victory. There are so many bad courses for him on the PGA Tour, and this is a good one that I'd probably be somewhat comfortable with that. Um, I wouldn't be super stoked about it, and that that might be the lowest. If I'm just throwing a pure dart, a, just an absolute pure dart, with no comfort level, it would probably be, 
I really wanted to say Minwoo Lee, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, maybe Akshay. Akshay Batia, he's 6500 bucks. Just all the raw talent in the world. Just kind of bank on that. But Brian Gay is probably the answer to your question, TJ. Uh, Evan, cool. What's up, man? Hey, what is the ownership percentage where fading Spieth becomes a smart play? 20% or closer to 30? Well, I guess it depends on what you want to do with the rest of your lineups. Um, I'm currently showing Spieth at around 15%. Uh, so here are the projection, the ownership projections. I have Patrick Cantlay getting close to 30%, which is absolutely bonkers. I have Jordan Spieth closer to 15 Um, I would say if Jordan Spieth was like 22 or more, I'd probably find somewhere else to go. Um because I think I just think the name value alone, especially in this field, and also think about this, we might have a lot of people who are sitting on NFL money in their accounts that don't have NFL to play anymore, and they might be tinkering around and messing around with other sports, and they might walk in here and say, oh, $9,700 Jordan Spieth, uh, I'll go for that. So if you made me bet, I think Spieth comes in over the projection that I have, which is 15%. So uh, if he, if, if I knew he was like 22, I'd probably find another another direction to go. I'm just a little bit worried about a lot of casuals this week. Thoughts on lineup construction with Brian Gay and Jim Herman, both at 6,600, leaving me with the ability. Yeah, that's fine. I don't really like Jim Herman this week, but um, yeah, there's I'm, I'm okay with that construction. As Sam Burns catches more steam, what are your thoughts on Cam Davis as a pivot? Yeah, so I am, am super bullish on both of these guys long-term. Um, Cam Davis, I have coming in. I actually have both of these guys, and and this, again, this might be wrong. I have both of these guys coming in at 10%. Um, will they end that way? I don't know, but uh, it, I, as of right now, I don't think you need a pivot from Sam Burns. I think when this is all said and done, Cam Davis, or I'm sorry, Sam Burns will be higher ends than Cam Davis, but um, I, I like them both, but I don't necessarily think you need a pivot at the moment. Do I think the hype is fair? Yeah, so I kind of talked about Spieth. I do think it's fair, and I think it's fair just because we happen to be at a place that's in a really good a really good spot for him. Um, do I like Phil in one and done? This is probably the only place that you can use him. I agree with that statement, um, but I still wouldn't use him. So I can simultaneously believe that if there's ever a place to play Phil, it's right here. Completely agree with that. I, I just think it's, I just, I mean, listen, he, he is fight. What do you need from Phil in a one and done probably 200,000 bucks, um, maybe 150,000. So you need like a top eight, seven from him. So that's a pretty tough ask. The guy has not made a lot of, uh, first pages of the leaderboard. He has, uh, routinely missed the cut. I know he can wield magic around here, but the game is the game's bad. Last last I looked, I looked at this like Monday or Tuesday. He was ranked outside the top 140 in like every single category on the PGA Tour. All the strokes gained metrics, anything you like. It was it was ugly. So I agree. If you're ever going to use Phil, use him now. I don't think you need to use Phil. <laughs> What's your handicap? Uh, I have a lot of handicaps. Um, short attention span. Uh, I can't sleep. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so I'm currently an eight. I have not played since I moved to Vegas, which is almost criminal. I got to get back out there. I was just looking up driving ranges the other day. I can hit my irons pretty well. I'm like meh off the tee and, uh, my short game is terrible, but I can putt a little bit, but I can't chip. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, good break here. So uh, let's talk about jock market real quick. So, um, you know, I, I told you guys this, this is something that is, is gaining so much steam. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to just kind of be a part of it. Like if you have not 
even heard of this. It's Stock Market DFS. It is they they sponsor this show. I'm going to have a, a live stream tonight um, called the Power Hour, where Joe Idoni and I focus entirely on Jock Market DFS for an hour, which is the most critical hour of uh, the Jock Market because it closes at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So we go at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time and we go for an hour and it's a lot of fun. Guys are winning a lot of money. There's a lot of money to be made over there. These guys are killing it. They're on Yahoo Finance. I'm seeing them everywhere now, which is a really good sign. Uh, this and, and and it's weird because this is kind of a, a, for, a fantasy format where it's better when more of us play it. Because if you get you know a, a more liquid market where you can buy and sell during golf tournaments, if you get, um, if you support them and they can add new features, like the ability to short golfers or short other athletes, like that's going to be awesome. I think they're expanding into NHL and, and major league baseball coming up. I don't, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. So super stoked about where they're going. Um, if you haven't signed up yet, you can do that. Use the, use the promo code Rick 20. It gives you a, a $20 deposit bonus, which would have gotten you, uh, probably two and a half more shares of of Brooks Kepka last week for his victory when he went to twenty five dollars a share. It's a ton of fun. Also, I've did you notice I have the red? I have the red. Uh, so look, watch this now. I can set this up. Boom, green, white, maybe white. Back to red. Pretty cool, right? Not bad. All right. Anyway, if I had to roster someone in the upper 6K range, who would it be? I have one spot left, 6,900. Seems like a good Denny McCarthy spot. My God. I I love Denny McCarthy, but I don't know what's wrong with him right now. We can actually look at this. This, I guess this is what we spend this time doing. Um, I was convinced that he had found something with his irons at the 3M Open and that he had just continued the great putting. But look at this. The best putter in the world. The literally best putter in the world. Um, has lost strokes putting in three of his last four measured events. He hasn't gained a full stroke or more in one, two, three, four, five, and he hasn't done it in six of eight. That's a bit concerning, especially because, um, you know, at least one of the other events that we don't have measured, he missed the cut there. So I, I'm, I'm getting concerned about this because it's always a bad sign, Matt, when you lose your weapon. You know, I said that about, um, Who'd I say that about? Gary Woodland with his driver, Ricky Fowler with the putter, Denny McCarthy with the putter. That's tough. It's tough. So I'm I'm worried about Denny McCarthy. So to answer your question, uh, I'd probably prefer Andrew Landry in that spot at $6,900. Kanye likes Nick Taylor in DFS, but Jay-Z would much rather have Varner or Sabatini in that range. What do I think? Well, um, first of all, I'm honored to uh, be put in a position to offer my opinion with the likes of both Kanye and Jay-Z. So much appreciated. Um, I would prefer Varner in this spot. I actually, and I think I mentioned, I might've mentioned this last week or somewhere else. I, I picked Varner. We had this concept on, on the first cut podcast, the CBS sports pod, where um, we picked one guy outside the top 100 in the world who could be like in the top 30 by the end of the year. And Varner was my pick. And we saw what a top 10 from him. Did he finish top 10 or did he fade? It was a top 20, whatever it was. Um, Good ball striking week again. That's what I want to see from Varner. So I, I like that. And then also there's a follow-up from Jay-Z. He says, yo, what's your favorite song? I am actually a Jay-Z fan. I don't listen to a lot of music. My wife thinks this is crazy. I, I don't listen to music all that much. I don't really like music all that much. So I don't know if I have a favorite song. Um, I do. I was really hooked on that Holy Grail album for a long time. It's probably where the name of the tool came from. But uh, yeah, I don't listen to a lot of music. My wife hates that about me. John makes a really great note. He says, um, 
most DraftKings contests are up to 16 or 19% rake. Are there any good alternatives? Yeah, the rake's insane these days. So you can find some smaller like listener leagues. Like I know Pat Mayo has a listener league where it's rake free. You're obviously not going to be able to beat that. Um, other alternatives like Jock Market where uh, they run at a loss is really good, right? There's a lot of money to be made over there. I would also say this, you know, con- I'll make another video about contest selection at some point. I probably have to update it. Um you, you got to know what contest you're getting into. And there is a, a plugin for Chrome. It's a Chrome extension. It's from Roto Grinders, who I'm not affiliated with in any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but the, the plugin they have is really cool. So when you go into the DraftKings lobby, it shows you how much rake each contest is taking. It shows you what the payouts are. It tells you if the bottom payout is like two times your buy-in. Things that make these a bit more pal- palpable. Palpable? Is that the right word? Because um, you're right, John. The rake's insane. That's why, and also that's kind of a bigger question to like, people are like, oh, do you play for a living? Like, absolutely not. And also like, what kind, like, I'm not going to, I don't play head to heads because I'm not trying to grind out 6% ROI. It's hard enough to beat the rake. I'm playing for lottery tickets, right? Like I, I understand that's my, that's the way that I fit into all of this. So good question. Um, Hey John, first of all, hit the, hit the like button for me. Thank you very much. It goes a long way. John wants to know about Cameron Tringale. Yeah. So uh, I just think I he's steaming a lot, right? Like, let's see what his ownership is because I I saw there was I, when I get a lot of questions about a guy, um, I start to think he's steaming. So I have him about about fourteen percent coming into this, and I bet you he goes higher than that. You know, he shows up really well on on models because of the uh, his ball striking ability, but he he's just like I don't want to be part of a chalky Cameron Tringale. He hasn't had a lot of great success around here. I'm gonna be out. Drew says, hit the like button. Yes, please. Thank you. That goes a long way. If you haven't subscribed, what are you doing? Um, Given the weather forecast. Okay, so it's weather time. Uh, Do we think the winning score will be likely a lot higher than usual? Oh, man. I got so much good stuff for you here. Hold on. So let's talk about the weather. Here's the weather forecast. I like using weather underground. I like going to the 10-day. I think if there's going to be an edge, you want to play Thursday morning, Friday afternoon. The winds and the rain potentially, although the rain's kind of coming later in the night, but the winds are going to start to kick up in the afternoon and they're not going to go away Thursday morning. So I believe you would rather play Thursday morning, Friday afternoon. Now, if you understand anything about Pebble Beach, you know that that can change in a moment's notice. Uh, Additionally, we can have this conversation about, do I want to play the easy course on the easy day or the easy course on the hard day? There is no right answer to that. Every single player will give you a different answer. Webb Simpson gave us an answer. Um... I think it was a couple of weeks ago when we had this kind of same conversation and he wants to play the easy course on the easy day. That's for him. Some guys want to play the hard course on the easy day. It's we're never going to be able to do it. Do I think the winning score will be higher than usual? The answer is yes. I have not looked to see if there are um, what the winning score prop is, but in the last five years, the winning score here has been very stable, 17 or 19 under par in each of the last five years. There's a couple of things to remember. There are no amateurs in this event. That means they've gotten rid of Monterey Peninsula. Monterey Peninsula was the easiest course. That's gone, okay? And then now without amateurs, the pin positions are probably going to be a hair more difficult uh, because you don't have to worry about amateurs. They used to stick those things in the middle of every single green. So all that together, David, Yes, I do think the winning score is likely to be higher. I don't know how much higher, but I'd like to see what the props are. Also, I hope you like this. Um, What I did is I compiled the data for the last five years at 
Pebble Beach, Monterey Peninsula, and Spyglass Hill. I then tweeted out the best and worst players at Monterey Peninsula with the idea that like, hey, if you were bad at Monterey Peninsula, you're losing a lot of strokes there. You um, now don't have to play that course. Or if you were doing all of your work at Monterey Peninsula, you don't have the luxury of having that course anymore. So what I did is, and that's a conversation I had with Pat Mayo, uh, and then I compiled the data. And then what I did is I sent this out to the Slack. So if you're in the Slack channel, you've already seen this chart and you have access to it. But what I actually did was uh, I, I I quote unquote simulated. Don't take that word incorrectly. There's really no simulation going on here. But I took all the averages for the last five years at each course. I then took everybody's Pebble Beach average, multiplied it by three because you're going to play three rounds there. Took your Spyglass Hill average, multiplied multiplied it by one, added it in there and came up with like your raw strokes gained at the courses that you would eventually play. Kevin Streelman would have been the best. Berger, Spieth, that man Spieth, Neesmith, uh, Joseph Bromlett, although Berger, Neesmith, and Bromlett only have four, four rounds. Uh, Jason Day is in here. So this is an interesting way to look at it. Um, I hope you enjoy. I thought this was a good idea. Um, I don't know how helpful it is, but I think it's pretty cool. So there you go. If you're in the Slack, you can have access to that. Um, I, I tweeted out the link to it, so or I, I sent out the link to it. So I hope you enjoy that. All right, I've answered a lot of these. Um, I don't know if I necessarily like Max Homa as a one-and-done play. I like Max Homa. He's fine. But, um, and I do think if there's ever a week to be the only guy on someone, this is probably the week. I don't, I don't know if it's Homa, though. I think you could probably be the only person on... Siwoo. I mean, right. He just won. I have him coming in at four and a half percent ownership. If you haven't used him yet, that might be a good spot to use him. Something like that. <clears throat> oh, I'm glad I've answered a lot of these. Sometimes I get a little worried when I get backed up into the questions, but I've answered a lot of these. Do I think there's an edge in playing? Talked about that. Um, which two players do I think will get the most draft Kings points this week? Oh, out of these four. Oof. Okay. Um, Hogan Taylor. Is there a way to set minimum exposure? Oh, okay. No, but that is a really good point. So Clark brings up a really cool thing, and I want to show you this as well. Um, I updated the lineup optimizer on rickrongood.com, and I will be the first to tell you, and I've reiterated this countless times, that I'm not in the lineup optimizer business. I'm never going to have the best lineup optimizer, but I want to have a really good, flexible, golf-focused one. So Clark, no, there is currently not a way to set minimum exposure, but that's a great point. I'll take that feedback. I've got a list of things because this is the first week it was it was updated. So I've got a list of things uh, that I might want to look into. But what I did here, and I wanted to show you guys this, is um, what I need in a lineup optimizer is the ability to optimize on any metric that I want, not just fantasy points or whatever. So this optimizer allows you to plug in anything you want. So I have, I have T to green plugged in here. Um, strokes gain T to green over the last, I want to say 50 rounds. I forget what I exported, but whatever I did. So I've, I've got, I've got T to green plugged in here. So what is really cool about this is I can build lineups and I don't usually like to share entire lineups, but I think this is a, a good idea about, about course correlation. Um, I can do three lineups just based on strokes gained total. And you can see, oh, well, hold on. I'm glad I, I'm glad I did this back up. I've got to get rid of these guys. Hold on. There are some guys who I don't have a metric on. Oh, this always goes sour for me when I try to, when I try to show something live on the show, this is why you should never do it. Here we go. These are the guys at the bottom. 
that I didn't have metrics on. Let's try this again. Hopefully this one works. Oh, that darn Rafa Cabrera Bayo is still hanging out there. Hold on one second. We're going to get this right this time. This is user. This is user error. This is not anything wrong with the, uh, with the lineup optimizer. It's doing exactly what I told it to do, but I imported this data. So here we go. Let's try this one more time. Oh my God. Kenny Pigman. This is user error. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. This is all user error. Boom. Okay. Whew. Finally. So these are like, so what the optimizer does is it takes the best strokes gain T to green numbers, uh, that it can make for under $50,000, which I think is a really interesting way to look at this. There's a lot of strategy based around correlating skill sets, you know, getting a bunch of ball strikers. Um, that's a lot different than just fantasy points, being able to do, maybe you want short game specialists. Maybe you want guys who hit it far. You could plug in driving distance into this. So that is really, this is really the core of how I build correlated lineups. I use instead of fantasy points or anything like that metrics. And then, you know, I could throw in anybody under, you know, like these are, there's some, uh, pretty high owned guys in here. Like I might be able to, I would, I could limit that as well. So, um, it's a constant evolution, Clark. Uh, I love that it's flexible and I'll continue to make improvements to it and correlate lineups that way. Will Z or burger, um, probably still burger. Although I love Will Z so much. Uh, glad this is earlier than normal. Is it? It's always the same time, Bernie. 3 p.m. Eastern time, Wednesdays. Favorite memory from Pebble Beach, a specific shot or win? Phil hit a bunker shot here. Um, I think he called it his, his be the best bunker shot he's ever hit on... What is the downhill par three? Six or seven? I always confuse. I think it's seven right there on the, the 108 yard par, par three. Uh, he was in the back bunker. He hit just an unbelievable, I think he has like a fried egg, unbelievable shot out of there. That's one that I always think about. 6,100 Larry, the cable guy. There will not be Larry, the cable guy this week. Do I like Brian Harmon? Not really. I mean, I'm not in full fade, but I, I, I'm like, if, if, if zero is average, I'm at like minus 10, but like minus 100, I guess would be like really bad. Any thoughts on Matt Jones or Doug Gim? Kind of chatted about Doug Gim earlier. Uh, he's a good ball striker. Matt Jones has played well. Matt Jones has played well recently. Let me pull him up here. Um, you know, it's it's kind of bad for Matt Jones. It's the one thing that he is most known for is how quickly he plays, which is not always great, but he can find uh, some opportunities to get hot. So I don't I don't mind Matt Jones here at all. Um, oh, a lot of questions about Matt Jones. Answer that, answer that, answer that. Um, thoughts on Paul Casey one and done. Yeah. So I, I guess the, uh, I, I like Paul Casey this week. I think Paul Casey is a very interesting pivot from, uh, the other two 10 K guys. So I have Patrick Cantlay at about 30% ownership right now. Daniel Berger at 21%. I have Paul Casey at 17. And if you made me guess, I think that gap gets bigger than that for Paul Casey. Uh, but this should be a really good spot for him. And historically it has been, he's got two top tens here in the last three years. He's a great ball striker should be able to put all of that to good use. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all good with Casey. If you want to play the jet lag game, we can play that. It's just impossible to figure out how it, how it impacts all these guys. Who do you like in windy weather? Dude, I'm getting a great opportunity to step on a lot of soapboxes this week, which I really like, which I really appreciate. I have wind data. I have the data for golfers in the wind. I've never released it because I don't trust it. And I wouldn't want to put my name behind it because 
there's one thing for it to be consistently windy, 30 miles an hour in the same direction for the entirety of the day. But that's not what happens. It swirls, it gusts. Uh, some guys like it. Some holes are more exposed than others. I just, it's, it's impossible to um, digest and really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Really kind of figure out what it means. So I'm, I, I just, I think it's all anecdotal. I, I, I don't, I don't like to play the wind game. Could you dive deeper into why Seamus power came up in your model? Probably small sample size. He probably has like four rounds of whatever I put in. Um, I answered these, so this is good. Most underpriced golfer this week. Maybe no one. Yeah, that's probably true. Maybe no one. If you made me pick Clint, um, man, I would say, I mean, Lashley's kind of interesting, right? Lashley's at 7,100. He had a top 20 last week and he gained like what five shots on the field on approach last week, uh, lost a stroke, but like a really good stat profile last week that would play really well here at Pebble beach. Um, so I, I think Lashley might be that guy. Thank you. DFS chef smash the like button. You don't have to smash it. You could just gently rub it. Just like poke it. You don't have to smash it, but I do appreciate the sentiment. Any weather split advantage? I think it's Thursday morning, Friday afternoon is what you want to be. However, it changes so quickly out there. Pebble can kick your butt or it can play super easy. It's super exposed. So um, I think it's AM, PM, but cross your fingers. Is there a 1% to 3% grab bag of golfers you would put in a pool for one and done? So does that mean 1% to 3% owned? I was originally thinking Paul Casey or Shimon, but low own might be the play. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I mentioned Siwoo Kim earlier. Um, let me just go through my ownership projections here. Uh, James Hahn played well last week besides the meltdown that cost me like $11,000 from our friends at William Hill. Could you imagine if our friends at William Hill had to just like pay me out $11,000 when James Hahn wins that thing? That would have been awesome. Um you know, he's had a good start to the season. I don't know how he how he fares after seeing himself on the leaderboard, but those are guys that I have really under-owned for DFS purposes that are certainly going to be low-owned in one-and-done situations. Why do you think range finders on tour is a net positive, or does anyone you've spoken to think the opposite? Yeah, so I've actually talked about this a lot, and um, I no longer think they are a net positive, to be quite frank. Um, I think I, orig I originally thought when I first saw the news about being able to use range finders at the PGA championship, that I was like, um, I was like, this is going to speed everything up. And quickly that was debunked. And the more you think about it, the more it makes sense, right? Is these guys don't really care what the number to the pin is. Uh, they care what the carry number is. They care how much room they have behind the pin. They care how much room, um, you know, they can spin it, stuff like that. So it's not just about shooting the number and moving on like it is for me on the course. So a lot of caddies, a lot of players already kind of quickly debunked this, talked about this on the first cut pod uh, yesterday, the Tuesday podcast. If you want to check that out, Mark Immelman's on it. He's obviously on, on site. He's getting a lot of these numbers himself doesn't seem like it's going to be much of a, of a, of a net positive at all. Um, unfortunately, especially because these guys are still, they're going to shoot the number and they're still going to double check it. And anytime there's a discrepancy, it's going to be headaches. Best stats, stats to look at for Pebble beach. Um, so if you go to the course key stats model, which is one that I swear by, uh, which is right here, the best stat historically for Pebble beach is driving distance. And you're going to say, Rick, you're an idiot. It can't be driving distance because this is a really short course. That's true. But the, the, 
distance doesn't get realized until your approach shot. A lot of a lot of really natural collection areas, a lot of really um, uh, similar places these guys are going to hit their approaches from. So when you're hitting a shorter club in than everybody else from the same spot, that distance does become an advantage. So distance, accuracy, and then strokes gained putting. Strokes gained uh, approach is actually uh, ranks 26th, right in the middle of the pack in terms of the other 49 courses on the PGA Tour rotation. So those are the best that I think. Um, John says, what made you move to Vegas? Are you from California? Have a great week. Thank you. So we moved to Vegas about two months ago, right before Christmas. Um, I'm not originally from California, but we lived there for the last five years or six years. I'm originally from Philadelphia. Uh, sometimes that accent comes out. Sometimes people pick up on it. Um, and they say, Hey, are you from like Montgomery County or whatever? It's like, Oh, is it that obvious? Um, so Love California, love everything about it. That's where our families are at. Um, when uh, both of my wife and I, obviously now we work from home, so we realized we can work anywhere. We produce a lot of content, right? So I, I wanted to have like a dedicated studio. Um, we wanted to be somewhere that real estate was cheaper. So Vegas, uh, I mean, we could buy, we could have never afforded this house in California, um, but we can get it here. And uh, there's no state income tax, which certainly goes a long way. But we also narrowed it down to places that, um, are a direct flight to Orange County. So when we go back to visit, we don't have to do layovers. We don't have to do anything like that. So it was like Phoenix, Vegas. Um, I mean, there was, there was a couple other places in Northern California. We put all that together and, and, and Vegas became the spot. Who you got for the Daytona 500? I literally don't know if I can name anyone. Um, one of the Bush brothers, do those guys, are those guys still around? One of them. I I probably cannot even name anybody. Um, talks about that. Oh, Frank, are you? Oh, okay. So this, the, the run good, the fan tracks league, the season long week league that we run Eric Patterson, EPAC off is four and oh, he's going up against the other four and guy. Uh, it's, it's bonkers. It's going to be a, a heavyweight battle. And then Manny says we're matched up together. Hey Manny, um, I, I might be punting this week, Manny. I, I got, I got to tell you because the team that I have, I only have six starters. We're supposed to start seven and I have to cut either Sergio or somebody else. Somebody else I don't want to cut. So if I want to, if I want to fill out a seventh spot, I got to cut somebody. And already the six guys that I have are bad. So I, I might be punting this week, my dude. <clears throat> um, how do I like Vegas so far? We love it. Yeah, we haven't taken advantage of of like a lot of the strip or anything, but we love it. It's great. Thoughts on Damon? He's missed the cut three in a row. I think he's his popularity just. Um, I think it holds his numbers kind of where they shouldn't be. So I'm out. Steven says, I'm a ride or die listener follower. First of all, thank you. I will not tolerate, tolerate people busting you for Munoz. Listen, it's all good. You can come back and bust me and tell me I'm an idiot and all that stuff. The, the, thing, that, um, the thing that bothers me is when you do it after Thursday's round. <laughs> because often someone will come back and run a victory lap on Thursday. Then the guy will go six under, make the cut, and finish T12. And it looks even sillier. So listen, it's it's all good. You can come back and... and um, you can come back in victory lap. It's, it's all good. But, and the other thing is the only other thing that bothers me is when people are like, Oh, I would have, I would have won the GPP if you didn't tell me to play Munoz. And it's like, my guy, I, I didn't log into your DraftKings account and make this lineup for you and spend your money. Don't let me spend your money. Don't let anybody else spend your money. So those are the only things that bother me. Otherwise you can tell me I'm an idiot. It's all good. <clears throat> Am I an idiot for even considering Furyk? Um, I, think so. 
Spieth or Siwoo? Probably Spieth, but if you want the contrarian option, it's Siwoo. First time doing this live and pretty cool. Cool. Thanks. Welcome. Much appreciated. Um, Siwoo is great around the green. Am I missing some ownership? No, I don't think so. I, I just think people are kind of out on Siwoo at the moment. So here, I'll, I'll show you the, um, the cheat sheet here. I, I think he kind of just falls in an awkward spot. 9,400, you know, I think there's a lot of intent for people to get someone above 10K. I think there is, uh, you know, Sam Burns and Davis at the low nines. He's just kind of in this really awkward spot and Molinari carrying a lot. So I, I just think it's awkward. He's literally in the sandwich between Jason Day and Francesco Molinari at 18%. So no, I don't think you're missing anything, Brian. I, I really like him as a contrarian option. Uh, hey, Martin. He says, thanks for the content. Thank you. Can you share what green size you consider? Yeah. So he's talking about this. So on the Holy Grail, you can actually sort, you know, by green size uh, and then green type. So small, um, I could look this up for you. I believe it is, it's either 5,500 or 6,000 square feet on average or less. The way I did it is essentially I broke the, all the green sizes on the PGA tour into three segments. If they were in the bottom third, they were small. If they were in the middle third, they were medium. And if they were uh, above that, they were large. And there were some real, there was three really distinct sizes, quite honestly. So I, it's either 5,500 or $6,000, 6,000 square feet or smaller. Um, so if you click that, so if you go small greens, you can see, you know, strokes gain total for the last six years on small greens for this field, Patrick Cantlay, Brant Snedeker, Jordan Spieth. Um, if you want to go further than that, you want to add Poana in there. Um, you know, Ches Revi has a pretty decent sample size. He's gaining over two strokes per round. So this Holy grail, it's, it's bonkers. You can just, you can go nuts over there, but I hope that helps. Um, is there a Potter video that talks about how you got started in golf metrics? I don't know. Maybe I might've done it in like a question and answer, like a mailbag at some point. I'd be happy to dive into it. The short story is just cause I know you guys probably want to get back to Pebble beach, but, uh, I'll tell you the short story real quick. Basically my background's in, um, marketing automation, which is essentially just doing, uh, gi giant databases. So I work with college and pro sports teams to help them sell, tickets, football tickets, basketball tickets. And I'd have their giant database and we would say, okay, if you're, you know, under 25 or you're a student and like we market you this way and we market you that way and it's all automated. So it's really just a giant database. Um, I started at the time it was called DFS on demand, uh, now called rickrungood.com on the side for myself. I love it. Obviously, uh, just got as many stats in there as I could. I wanted to build visualizations and I wanted to do all that became a thing. I said, I really only want to talk about golf. I only want to focus on golf. And here we are. So that's, that's the real short of it, Clint. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been, a, it's been a good run. If I had to choose somebody in the six K range, Holmes, Gordon, or Riley, it would probably be Gordon Riley Holmes. I do like the idea that Davis Riley is kind of a, um, unknown entity. I kind of like that. Lots of dis disrespect for Jim Herman, 400 to one. I mean, what, I mean, what is, what is there to respect Herman? Uh, he has, Two last I checked, he had like two top 25s in his last, I don't know, 30 starts, and both of them happen to be wins. I think, like, it, it's weird. I, I don't know. I mean, how are you? Well, I don't know what you'd rather price him 200 to one. I, I, I don't know. It's it's super strange. It, he's he's an enigma on tour. It's it, there's nobody like it. Uh, is there a difference in strategy for DraftKings and FanDuel? Not really. I don't play almost at all on FanDuel. Um, I just, I don't really just like, I just don't really like the, the website. Quite honestly, it doesn't, doesn't look good to my eye. Um, but 
no, I mean, you get the guys who play well, right? The, like the, the, the streaks might be a little bit different and the, the scoring's a little bit different, but the strategy is generally the same. Best finish, Casey Zalatoris Molinari. Wow. I really do like Casey last week. I'm not going to use jet lag as an excuse, so I'm going to say Casey. A couple of these punts I'm curious about. Uh, Adam Long. I like Adam Long. Piercy, yeah, Piercy has played well here before. I I like Adam Long. Again, we talk so much about um, guys who don't have a lot of courses for success. Uh, And Adam Long is short, right? He's short off the tee, but accurate. This would be a pretty good spot for him. Does anybody work in this chat? I don't know. Maybe they're all at work. Is everyone just tuning in from work? Uh, yes, Brian Gay is okay to use. I'm going to just try to skip past some of the, I've talked about a lot of this stuff, so, uh, we can rewind or I still want to talk about it again. Speed versus Molinari in a head to head. You want to see the, you want to see the matchup. The matchup's going to be really ugly because, uh, Molinari, we're gonna have to expand the date range. Let's just do, man, let's do since 2018 because, Molinari did, like basically didn't play in 2020, and Spieth has been bad for a long time. I'm I have no idea what this is going to come out to be. So this is the head-to-head tool. Wow, pretty close. I have Spieth at 54, percent so he should be minus 117. It's a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and you can kind of see the trajectories. You know, Spieth uh, has been gaining. You can see, but struggling in in the year of 2020. There's basically little data for for Molinari last year. And obviously he's trending upwards after his last couple of starts, but I still have Spieth winning this 54% of the time. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Terrible, terrible off the tee. No short game. I said, I'm, I said, I'm meh off the tee. I'm okay. Off the tee. Definitely no short game. I can hit my irons. Well, I hit a lot of greens and I three put a lot of greens. A lot of questions about the, um, whether I covered that. This is my wife. She says, hating music is a trait of a psychopath. That's her opinion. There she goes. She, I told you, I told you she thinks it's crazy. I, I don't hate music. I don't hate music. I just like, I'm not actively seeking out music or listening to it. Like I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, she listens to a lot of music. I don't know. Uh, I talked about Akshay. I do like Akshay. Uh, I I like the raw talent. I like Andy Ogletree. Although Ogletree misses a lot of fairways too. Um, I'd probably prefer Nick Taylor to both of those guys. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Kevin, this is a pretty good point. So golf DFS seems to be by the dip, like burger after miscut. So yeah. And and this used to be a really big thing a couple of years ago. Like if someone missed a cut, you would never like, no one would ever play them the next week. Um, we've gotten better at that as an industry, but I do think especially, okay. So there's, there's something about burger where he was incredibly popular last week and missed the cut. And then also he's like a top player, you know, these guys, and we saw Brooks do it right. Three straight missed cuts wins a golf tournament. The top end guys missing a cut is literally no big deal. It, it doesn't even matter, especially because I'd have to go back and look at burger. He didn't play all that bad. Um, I, he, he, I think he was two over on his second nine on Friday 
And I know he probably made par on the two par fives that he should have made birdie on, but that's not that bad. He missed the cut on the number. Like how bad could it have been? So I completely agree, Kevin. Just remove, if, if everyone just detached their recency bias from this, um, it'd be a lot better. So field strength. So uh, Scott Stewart, thank you, says you also know about field strength. Es- essentially, this is based on, so I, I'm assuming what you're quoting is um, like field strength comes from, comes from like the official world golf ranking, like how many points are going to be awarded based on how strong the field is. So winning the player's championship is way more valuable than winning Punta Cana. Uh, so what they do is they look at all the other rankings of all the players and they come up with a calculation to say, this is the strength of field number. Uh, historically, I believe this is the weakest field we've ever seen at Pebble beach, which is not great. So you could argue, got to get a stud, got to get, uh, you know, got to get one of these guys that eats up a lot of the win equity. What happened to the intern? That's my wife reading the questions from last week. She got the day off. Uh, if the internet goes out, she will be asked into duty again. Rick, you are the content king. Thank you very much. Uh, hit the like button for me. Goes a long way. Subscribe if you have not subscribed. I'll try to do a little bit of overtime. We got 10, 12 minutes left. Um, I'll try to run through these questions pretty quickly. Anything you want, let's do it. What kind of uh, European tour stats and insights does the site offer? So I'm actually going through, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about rickrungood.com. So I'm actually going through and updating that, <clears throat> excuse me, at the moment because they don't have an event this week. So um, in general, I have a cheat sheet I for each week with um, strokes gain data, which is new to the PGA, to the European tour. It's hard to get. I've got it. Um, also the... Um, I, I usually have like, I'll have like a golfer profile. So you can click through uh, profiles and see that. And then I'll try to do some like game logs and stuff too. I might work that into the golfer profile sheet, but I'm building the Euro data, building what my goal is to build all the data, LPGA, champions, corn fairy, whatever I can get. Um, so that, you know, as guys come up from the corn ter- corn fairy, we have, we have information on them as they come over from the European tour. We have information on them. So that's, that's the, uh, that's my hope. Oh, I forgot about this. Tom, this is why you're a smart guy. I'm an idiot. Uh, There's two courses. There are no AM, PM splits. I'm an idiot. I I just spent the last 52 minutes talking AM, PM. You're right. Everybody goes out in the same time frame because they're on split courses. I'm I'm an idiot. Um, So I guess that just goes back to, would you rather play the easier course on the easy day or the harder course on the harder day? I think it's an easier course on the easier day, which in theory should be Pebble, but Pebble can get Pebble can change in a second, man. But Spyglass Hill is hard. Tom, I appreciate you. If I could send you a super chat, I would send it your way. You're absolutely right. I'm dumb. That's my bad. Thank you for correcting. Um, top three, one and done. I guess it kind of depends on um what you're looking for. It's early in the year, right? I mean, I, I've already used burger and can't like, I would love one of those guys. I'm considering Casey. I also don't mind Spieth. I'm kind of a glutton for punishment. So it really depends on what you're looking for. I probably can't answer this question for you. Would I bet on Ricky Fowler? Uh, with your money, I would <laughs> not with my own money. Uh, I just, I, you know, I mentioned this earlier. It's, it's not good when the guy's best aspect of his game, he's really bad at right now, which is the putter and he's tinkering. So I wouldn't. Lots of questions about Siwoo. 
Lots of questions about Molinari. Ooh, a Peter Malnati question. The guy's a nut. I love him. Fantasy scoring is unbelievable. I don't know if I can... Um, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Malnati's the guy who's going to just... He's going to make four pars a day, and he's going to rattle off birdies and bogeys in the meantime. Let me see if I can pull up his fantasy results because he is an absolute nut. Peter Malnati. Uh, by date here. So let me see if I can show you this. So here's Malnati. This is the Holy Grail. It's the fantasy section of it. Uh, always routinely underpriced, right? I mean, he scores you 92 at Farmers, 107 at the Sony, 74 at the RSM. I mean, 100, 121. I mean, he's in the midst of a pretty good run right now. He is a uh, one of these golfers. I used to call these guys um, most valuable golfers, which is like how much you... Um, outpace your finishing position with fantasy points and, and Malnati almost certainly without running the, the data would be one of those guys. Oh no, I lost my spot. This happens too much. Hold on. Okay. I got it. Are, am I playing any guys in the six K range? Yes. Landry I'm playing. I'm playing. Um, I have a little bit of Akshay, very little bit of Akshay. I'm also playing. There's somebody else down here. There's somebody at like 60. Who am I playing? Oh, maybe I was, maybe I was thinking of, of Lashley at 71. I don't know, but I, yes, I am playing a few guys in the, in the, um, six, six, uh, six K range. I don't know, Andrew. Listen, um, I also heard that strokes gain data is rubbish. So I'm actually just going to delete the site and the YouTube channel and, uh, retire. If you guys missed this, there was a nice little comment. Um, Steve Elkington uh, mentioned on a podcast that um, I don't want to quote, quote him incorrectly, but essentially he said, no tour pro uses strokes gain data and it's rubbish, which is obviously not true. I mean, literally every tour player uses it. Uh, everyone I've talked to is very aware of their number and their rankings. And uh, to call the best stat that we have available rubbish is pretty silly. Now he's he's right in one respect that not like there are flaws to the shot link to the strokes gained metrics. Of course there are. There are flaws with everything. There's flaws with driving distance. There's flaws with driving accuracy. There's flaws with putts per round. There's flaws with everything. There's less flaws with strokes gained data, but it is rubbish. I've heard today. Thank you for checking in. Um, based on my recent tweets, that's my recent tweets uh, about player performance. Eight K. Yeah. So. This is interesting. So I tweeted this out, I guess, a couple of days ago about like how many winners come from the 8K range, 9K, 10, all the ranges, how, you know, what their fantasy points are. I just think that uh, the way that DraftKings has to price is they need like somebody in every slot on the way down, right? Like they, they're not going to have big gaps outside of the 10K range. That's the only place you get multiple hundred dollar gaps between golfers. Um, so because they have to do it like that, the, you end up getting, you know, golfer, the difference between golfer 10 and golfer 20 in the field is not that big of a difference, but in pricing it's probably a thousand dollars. So, so really it's, it's just a lot of randomness and it's also with the way that they have to price and how close everyone actually is in skill, the 8k range then does tend to do better because the eights and the nines are probably the same golfers, but they're priced different. It's kind of weird. How do I find Mark's? Uh, okay, Mark. Mark has been first of all. What I love about Mark, and I, you know, 
Kyle and I on the first cut pod and Greg and every, like we, we come at it from a very data driven approach, which that's the way I'm always going to do it. But to hear Mark, who's like on the scene, who's like, no, 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 his ball spins too much, blah, blah, blah. It's awesome. So, um, he's on the first cut pod with us. It's on CBS sports. Go over there, check it out. It's awesome. We do a podcast basically every day. So, and he's been like, and we make it, he doesn't even like to do these picks. We make him do these picks, right? Like for the show. And we're like, ah, make, make picks. He's really good at it. He's really good at it. Who's the most hyped guy that will miss the cut? Ooh. Jason Day. I mean, I mean, listen, these guys are all they're they are they are hyped for a reason. Uh, I don't like that Jason Day said he liked the amateur version of this event. That is super scary. Uh, yes, that is correct. Matt Immelman's marks, marks picks do, uh, farewell. I don't remember who he picked. He got into a wine wager with coach though. So, uh, I think it was, what was that matchup? Norin? Uh, no Molinar. He likes Molinari a lot this week. I know that. Phil Mickelson to make the cut at minus 175. Is that a good bet? Uh, well, I will tell you that I think I saw his top 40 number was like, Minus one forty, maybe higher than that. Um, so I think it's a fair number. I I would not bet. I would not bet. I w- I'm not taking a stand on Phil Mickelson this week. Ryan Newman wins Daytona. Wouldn't that be a story? I don't know. Would it be? I I, I literally don't know if that would be a story or not. I don't know anything about. I don't know who that is. Uh, new to the show. What recommendation recommendations do you have? Uh, go to the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. <laughs> watch watch some of the old strategy videos. Find guys who are playing well coming in. Find guys who have played well here in the past. All that good stuff. Uh, DFS Chef, I like to always see these. Typically, we want low apex height in windy conditions. Yeah, that's true. But also with uh, small greens, you want higher apex. Yeah, okay, that's a good point. Um, looks like we really want around the green. Yeah, I, I agree. There's going to be a ton of guys who miss greens, right? And and you got to be able to get up and down. You got to be able to grind. Um, also, I'd be a little bit worried about the apex numbers. I'd have to go to, I haven't looked at apex in a while. I might have to go to the media, uh, the media tracker because they apex used to only be on like two shots around. Uh, I don't know if they've expanded that. I'd have to go look at that. DJ withdrew. Yes. Dustin Johnson withdrew Monday evening. Do not play him. Have you ever considered starting doing a live betting stream? Peacock one was pretty bad. Yeah, I talked about this a lot with Pat Mayo yesterday. So like, I mean, starting a live betting stream would be incredibly difficult to do. Um, now, is is a live cut sweat show on the Rick Rungood YouTube channel or a or a live Sunday afternoon sweat show in the in a possibility? Yes, it is a possibility. The problem is, I don't have the rights to show anything, right? Like I can't show you the shots. So it would have to be something that would be partnered with someone who has the rights for that week. So a CBS, a NBC, a golf channel, whatever. Um, I, I agree. The Peacock one, listen, there's a lot of room for improvement. I didn't really like it. There's a lot of room for improvement. Uh, anticipated ownership on Cantlay is about 30%. Highest owned, highest projected owned golfer on the slate as of right now. Talk about the Canadians. That's like uh, from the office where Meredith goes, talk about vacation. Talk about the Canadians. Um, I don't know what you want me to talk about. Which one I prefer. Um, 
I don't know. Is I mean Hadwin's not even in this field, right? So we've got is Corey Connors. Corey Connors isn't even in this field. Who is in this field? Hold on. Now I'm actually like, which Canadians are even in this field? Sloan. Sloan's been playing well, right? He's in this field, I think. Uh Hearn, I wouldn't play him. Gligic, you made a bunch of cuts before. There's only three Canadians in this field. Oh no, no, Nick Taylor's in this field. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I forgot about Nick Taylor. Epat's gonna kill me. There's like four, there's like four Canadians in this field. Sloan's played well. Oh, everybody is watching at work at home. Okay, 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 cool. Uh, talk about Minwoo. What is the talk about thing? So I love Minwoo Lee. Unfortunately, he has been horrible on the European tour. He won last year on the European European tour. He's missed like five cuts in a row. He just hasn't been the same. I, I want the raw talent to just come out this week, but... Recent form says that's probably not going to happen. I'm sitting at Dunkin' Donuts listening to your chat. I've not had Dunkin' Donuts in a long time. I'm very jealous about that. Smash the like button. Okay. Yes, that is a good point. Thank you very much. Could we run a custom model with the following percentages? <laughs> Sounds like you want free access to rickrungood.com. Yeah, okay. That's fine. We can do that. Feeling, feeling very, very happy. Very friendly. We can run a custom model with your metrics. We can do it. I've never done this before. Let's not get into a habit of this, but let's do it. Um, strokes game putting 30. All right. Strokes game putting 30. Driving distance 25. Whoops. Accuracy five. Okay. What else you got? Green and regulation 10. Scrambling 30. Wow. Okay. I would not have run this model. Here we go. Berger, Berger, Shank, Batia. Batia has a smaller sample size. Tringale, McNeely, Rogers, Davis, Cantlay, Norin, Harmon, Day, Burns. There's the model. Let's not get into a habit of that, but it's fun. <clears throat> In single entry lineups, how much do you weight ownership? Well, uh, the higher owned golfers are generally even more higher owned. Um, so I guess I kind of weigh it a little bit more, but also uh, one golfer, one golfer is not going to be the reason I play him or not. I'm putting together a lineup of six. If one guy is really highly owned, go find another way to differentiate. I don't know why, why scrambling is not great, right? Just use like strokes gain short game around the green end putting Scrambling's weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely don't use it enough. All right, we're in overtime here. I'll keep going for just a bit longer here. Oh boy. I've answered a lot of these, which is good. Hi, Rick run good. I'm tuxedo black cat. Hi, tuxedo black cat. Thanks for showing up. I feel like you're the guy who would let me use his homework to cheat off on before the exam. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have. <laughs> I'm probably the guy who would not have let you have done that, but I'm glad that you are getting, uh, you are getting the benefit from that. So all, all good. Much appreciate the support. <clears throat> Let's see. I've answered a lot of these. So I think we're we're getting close to the ends here. Uh, best guess on highest owned golfer on jock market. Yeah, so it'll be Cantlay, I think. I don't think he'll break Rom's price from last week. Rom set the record for, for most expensive golfer on jock market last week. I don't think anybody will get there this week, but I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be Cantlay. And I think that's it. I think it's it. 
We're good. We're good. All right. Here's what here's what we got going on. Thanks for joining. Always appreciate it. On your way out, hit the like button for me. It goes a long way. If you if you have not subscribed, please subscribe. Appreciate your support. Um, you can see me tonight at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time with Joe Idoni. We can cover everything jock market related. Um, it's always fun to be able to chat with you guys. It's a great hour of the week. I'm glad the internet hung in. And um, good luck. Catch you next time.